0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Hey, friends! Today we have Jamie Wright on the podcast. I can't, I can't, I can't. Hold on, Audrey. What can't you find? I, I, I found the different color, and I can't find the right. And that one's fine. Just use that one. Sorry, guys. Uh, Audrey is trying to find a cup, and she's gonna have to use that one. Anyway, yeah. thought you guys needed to know that. Okay, well. <laughs> okay, um, if you have a child like I just did uh, Audrey, run into this room um, Don't have this podcast uh, blaring uh, There's some adult content in here uh, Our friend Jamie She's kind of like, you know, that uh, y- You might have had, like that cousin Or like the older like girl who lived in the neighborhood Who like taught you how to use square words and bought you cigarettes Like that's kind of Jamie um, she's not, like, old. I, I didn't mean it that way. But, like... And she doesn't give anyone cigarettes. I'm, she just uses bad language. So, just heads up. Watch out. No no children left behind for the pot. Goodbye. Just listen. Welcome back to the podcast. Our old friend Jamie is on. Jamie, how are we doing today?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: <laughs> this is... I'm. I'm in a great mood. You know why? Because this is one of those rare occasions where we have a father and then a daughter on the podcast the next week. Last week we had your dad on Tom and today we have you on oh, and good. it's so exciting. Did you guys talk about this? Like about, Hey, we're both going to Luke's podcast again. Did,
1: did you d- plan this? Did you do father daughter in order again?
0: Wasn't it last time? Yeah, Happened too? I think well, so. Yes. What I did was I called, um, convergent, uh-huh. and Harper won and I said I want these two books to come out right around the same time uh-huh. so I have them on again
1: and they were like anything you need Luke
0: yeah they they redid the entire publishing schedule just so I right. can make that I, I probably made this joke before didn't I mm-hmm. I didn't
1: yeah. <laughs> no I don't know I have no idea anyway. it's been a long time we haven't talked in a long time so I don't know
0: it ha- why has it been such a long time let's talk about that
1: because I'm the slowest writer on the face of the planet and it took me a thousand years to write a book
0: Really? So, yeah. How long did, you, when did you actually start this book?
1: Um, I started in like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I signed the contract with Convergent like in January of, I don't know, 2016? 2017. That's not bad. No, no, no. 2016.
0: 2016. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's not terrible. No, no. no. I mean, it took, like, it took me like 18 months to really write the book, which is a long time to write
0: a book. Did you have anything, did you take like, old stuff that you had written before and flushed it
1: out no, or it, no, just, it's mostly new material. I mean, it's like 98% new material, but uh, yeah, but it just took me a long time, you know, like life. I have a, lot, a whole, I uh, like other life that I live when I'm not writing. Really? So it's just, yeah. It's,
0: you didn't it's, just it's ignore time your time. kids to write the book and just tell all your friends I'm not available. I
1: feel like they would all say I did, <laughs> but I'm going to say No, I, I tried to find some balance there, but, you know, it is
0: what it is. It is. Well, again, I think it's fair. That's, that's, there's, there's no shame in that. But uh, it has been a while, and so I'm glad that we're back talking. And uh, as I did read your book, which is entitled The Very Worst Missionary, which is a very clever title since that's kind of like your pro wrestler moniker.
1: Right, on brand. It's really on brand
0: On me. brand. <laughs> Do you have, like— uh, I feel like you should get like merch and stuff like that, like a hat, like a trucker hat. Do you have that mm-hmm. that you're selling?
1: You know, not not yet. But okay. hey, one of these days. I mm-hmm. just, I mean, would you I, like who would wear that? Nobody.
0: I mean, I'm not saying I would wear. It. I'm saying no, that but like s-
1: nobody, like literally nobody. <laughs> no one. I mean, mm. I wouldn't.
0: Okay, well, fine. I guess that you shouldn't sell then if you're not going to wear it.
1: I know that's the thing. I, I've, I mean, I sold t-shirts with my cat on them, and they those have done really well. Oh. But okay. I just feel like yeah. the whole like. very worst missionary thing like it's too weird like people would have to explain it and i feel like anytime you are wearing something that makes people talk to you it's a bad thing so i don't want to like make that happen for people
0: i respect that what do you think about pastors who tell people to greet the people around them i hate them you hate them (laughs) well
1: maybe hate's a strong word but like i think it's i think it's not for everybody when you like force that do that force like hey say hey to your neighbor ask them what their favorite kind of easter candy is
0: okay and then easter everybody candy. has to
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: easter that. candy
1: uh-huh oh wait that's a bad thing to do right mm-hmm. some people probably love it okay but i am just like oh awesome we get to have, i get to touch someone i don't know and <laughs> make eye contact and mm-hmm. ask them a question i don't care about
0: for it's, the for the record the touching was a handshake not there was nothing yeah, else but that's, that's still
1: that is touching okay does right. it count i does that not count kind of i touching? don't know like people kind of like insinuate you know different she, think about the things you do with your hands. That's like the last place I should want to touch on another person. Yeah, I I guess
0: so. That's fair. Okay, fine. My idea about a hat, I guess you don't like it, okay? Uh, If there was a cat on it, I guess you could do that. What I was trying to get to is you wrote a book that I read something about you that you and I have some common ground, which I feel like we can go to at this point since it's not on greeting the people around you before sermon time. Uh, it's specifically about uh, your biggest regret when you were uh, a teenager around your high school years. They were really? a brief amount of high school years. And it's not... Do you want to guess what it is?
1: No, I'm afraid.
0: Oh, come on. This would be fun. First I of, don't want to get it wrong. It doesn't did, Im- you, did you get pregnant No okay. you were Good. a teenager?
1: Good was guess. That, is that it?
0: Nope. That was okay. not it. it. It doesn't involve... Um, Cocaine on the
1: back n- of the toilet.
0: No. No. Oh for two. Let's I feel Shoot. Like third times a charm.
1: <laughs> I, I really I just I feel like I'm not gonna get this right.
0: <laughs> okay. It involves leaving high school prematurely.
1: Okay. Are you in the dropout club? Well, like I I after my
0: junior year of high school I just went to college. And so okay. it's kind of the same, but But
1: did you graduate early or, or did you take your proficiency or what or did you just like say, F this, I'm moving on.
0: <laughs> well, I wouldn't have said that word when I was 15 or 16. I took the SAT, and then they just let me into college. That's what I did.
1: Just with an SAT? Yeah. Mm, I didn't know that was a thing.
0: It, it, it's, it happened to me.
1: Cool. Well, congratulations. But I'm just saying, like,
0: you, but you, <laughs> say, the funny thing is you say your biggest regret was not, I don't think you actually said cocaine on the back of the toilet in that chapter.
1: That wasn't my, that I might have. But that wasn't my biggest regret. But you said... It was not graduating why, from high school.
0: Why in the world would that be the biggest regret?
1: Um, Because I did drop out. I mean, I just... Well, you I took a test,
0: though, didn't you? Like a, a well, GED test or something? Yeah,
1: like a pro, it's like high school proficiency. So you just demonstrate that you know all the shit you need to know to graduate from high school. And then they are like, bye. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just dumb. But it's... But like, you know, there's like a... I don't know. I just, I've always felt embarrassed about it. Like that. I didn't graduate with my class. I didn't like do the whole four years of high school. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's not, it's not because, and here's the thing. It's not, I didn't take my proficiency because I was doing so well and wanted to move on. (laughs) I took it because I was literally, I'd missed so much school. I was as a sophomore, not going to graduate on time because I'd missed so many hours of school. Mm -hmm. I was failing out of my classes. Like I was not like, I'm so smart. I'm going to move on. I was like, they were like, well, you can't graduate on time. When I was like, well, F this. And I left.
0: But part, like when you're 15, 16, like it's 15, yeah. 15, when you're 15, all the things that are in play to get you to graduate, which obviously the intellectual rigors of geometry or like sophomore level English was not the issue. It was like just staying there and do it. those things often come from the environment that you're in. And so that decision isn't, I don't think it's like fair to put all that on your shoulders. It seems like that's kind of, it's partly your responsibility, but it's partially like a byproduct of the system that you're in. And it, to say like, that's the biggest regret is just interesting to me. Um, Cause it's not like you aren't smart. Obviously you wrote a great book. Like you can't do that if you don't have the, Mental acuity to pass um, high school. I, uh,
1: that that's why it's because I did. I could have done it. I just didn't. Like I, I absolutely, I absolutely could have graduated from high school. It's not like I was like too dumb to graduate from high school. It was that I lacked like the work ethic and the like. I just was a mess. Mm-hmm. I was just a mess, and I just couldn't get my shit together enough to like do what all the boneheads around me were doing yeah. and graduate. Mm-hmm. Like so many dumb people graduate from high school. And I didn't, and I wasn't one of them. I just couldn't even hang. Like it, that's what's embarrassing.
0: Okay, well, I'm glad that I brought up the embarrassing moment from your high school years.
1: Me too. Yeah. Me too. I love, I love talking about it. <laughs> I wrote about it in a book. It's fair. It's, I mean, it's, it's fair game. Okay.
0: Well. Yeah. All right. The more you know. Like now, I know that, and I won't bring it up again.
1: You. It's, it's fine.
0: We're good. Um. Okay. So you write the book, and uh, you start like you kind of tell like your whole life story. And people, obviously the thing is, your, your voice is typically focused on your experience with missions. That's kind of how the moniker comes from, which is uh, a pretty great name. The, uh, the fictitious version of how you got that name and your response would have been ideal, but you didn't choose to threaten this 50-year-old lady, or this uh, old lady who gave $50 a month. And so I'm kind of sad about that. But, yeah, well, you know. You know. Uh, hmm. Okay, when you started this, um, you're going off to the mission field and you have this idea that if you do this, that like God is going to somehow fix you or God is going to like reward your willingness to do this with some sort of like divine blessing on your life. Uh, do you think that's a common attitude that many people going in the mission field have? Like if they do this, therefore in return, God is supposed to do something for them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody says that out loud. Nobody's like, well, God's going to bless me. But there's an underlying theme of like, if I do this thing, surely I will have earned some sort of favor from God. Like my marriage was a mess when we left for the mission field. My kids were sh- struggling and sad. And, um, you know, there was just so much going on. And I really did. I felt like, oh, if I just make this huge decision, if I make this big sacrifice, if I sell everything, if I drag my kids to a foreign country... Mm-hmm. Um, God will fix this. God will shore up this marriage. He will, you know, um, he'll he'll like be present for my children. He'll fix them. He'll make them happy. He'll make us all happy, and he'll provide all the money and all the whatever that we need, and it'll be great. And that, that
0: and it happened right
1: exactly like that. So that's what my book is about. And so if, no, none of it happened. Yeah, it was just a clusterfuck. It was just like like let's take our disaster overseas and be a disaster over there, and. And God was present, but nothing, like, our lives were still a mess.
0: When you're processing that, if you think God is present because God is supposed to clean up everything and, and make it all right, and now you're at the point where you can say God was still present in it, did you have to reframe your understanding of the presence of God?
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do this thing, especially in missions, where we believe that, like, God's blessing, or we, we act like God's blessing is comes in the form of money and in the form of comfort and in the form of— um, whatever extravagance and we never call it any of those things we just say we're blessed oh i got a new car i'm so blessed i got a great job i'm so blessed i yep. flew to another country i'm so blessed um and then we show up in these other countries with all these other these things and we say oh god wants me to bless you with this and so that the idea is that you know god's blessing is in stuff and it's in these gifts that he gives us and it's in whatever but um you know really getting into costa rica and realizing that no nope nope no, God's blessing is that, is that he never leaves us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's it. Like, his blessing is his presence. His blessing is that I get to wake up every morning and know that I am not alone and never have been. Mm-hmm. And it's it's super comforting, I think. Um, and it's super freeing because it really helps, I think, helps me look at other people differently, too.
0: Mm-hmm. How so? Like, how do you see people different?
1: Um, You know... Being able to look at someone else and and realize that they don't need me to be God's blessing in their life <laughs> because He's already present with them, too, mm-hmm. um, is it, it just really like takes off the wheels. Like, I don't, you're not my project. You can just be my friend or you can just be whatever. Like, nobody needs to be my next special project for the kingdom of heaven or whatever. Um, but we can all just you know, be together and let God work individually with each of us and, mm-hmm. um, trust that that's happening because he promised to bless us, which is to be with us. Yeah.
0: How would you help someone understand or go through the process of moving from God's presence equals blessings like the Santa Claus, God to God's blessing is God's presence. Like, or how, like, what was the process for you? Did, were, were there things that move that along for you?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I did, I wrote about this in the book too. I just, um, you know, showed up in Costa Rica thinking that God's, if I do this thing, He's going to heal my depression. He's going to make my family happy. He's going to make my children well adjusted. He's going to fix my marriage. He's going to do all these things, um, provide, you know, limitless goodies for us. And, um, you know, a year in, two years in, during the second year there, I was more depressed than ever. Like, didn't want to get out of bed in the morning, didn't want to put on pants and leave the house. Um, my kids were all struggling deeply and um, with. Loneliness and being foreigners, and I mean, all kinds of things. Um, and they're great. I mean, they're amazing kids, and they handled everything really beautifully, but they still struggled. And um, <clears throat> my marriage was a disaster, and our house was robbed, and our car was stolen. Like, we literally, it was just everything it was a mess. And um, I was sitting at home writing this little, like, blog, you know, this little missionary blog, writing back home, like, here's the right family doing God's work in Costa Rica, and we're so yay, we're so awesome. Um, and I sat down one morning to just whatever I guess write a blog or whatever, and um, and I had and I, was, I had been drinking a ton of coffee, and I was like, I gotta pee, so I ran like ran into the bathroom because I'm a total pro- I procrastinate everything even, even go to the bathroom, yeah yeah. So I like ran to the bathroom like rip off my pajamas, and there is a gecko, and, like on my thigh, hmm. like it was in my like it was in my pants. the whole time like it was. Yeah. And it was, I mean, like not, this was not okay. It was not nothing about the scenario. I was like, okay with. Um, and so I just like freaked out. Like literally there was a lizard inside of my pants. And who knows how long it had been there days, weeks. We don't <laughs> know. Um, and I was just so upset. And I just started like screaming and um, I, you know, wrapped things up finished my business, went out to the living room and just like fell flat on my face on the floor and like a little cold tile floor in this little house in Costa Rica. And I just was like sobbing, like, like this is not, this is nothing that I thought God was going to do. He's not doing any of it. He's not doing any of it. Our house is empty. We have no, we have no, like nothing. We own nothing. Everything's been stolen. (laughs) We have no money to replace it all. We are, my marriage is a mess. Everything was a mess. Everything was a mess. And I was so mad at God. And I was just like, you promise like you 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 promised your blessing like that you were supposed to bless me and your blessing was supposed to not include any of this bullshit and it was supposed to be easy we're supposed to come here and you're supposed to make it easy and as i'm like going through this laundry list of things like i did not sign up for this i didn't sign up you know to be poor i didn't sign up to be sad i didn't sign up to be lonely i didn't sign up to be struggling and god was just like but i didn't promise you yeah things i didn't promise you ease i didn't promise you happiness i promised you that i would be with you and that's the whole that's the whole thing that's the whole jesus thing like emmanuel god with you i'm with you and it was a hugely transformative um moment for me
0: and so that was how how many months had you been down there costa rica
1: that was like right in the beginning of our second year so we've been there maybe 14 and
0: how long were you there total five years so beginning your second year you start to have this uh, like, understanding of God's blessings, blessing and presence change. I, I assume it doesn't, like, happen overnight. Like, you have a gecko in your pants, and then all of a sudden you, you get it, or you have a healthier view of God's presence. Right. But, like, it had to be something that, yeah. like, worked through the years while you are there.
1: For sure. And even leading, leading to there. Like, it was just, yeah, I think it was just one of those moments of clarity where I just go, oh, okay, this is what you've been trying to say all this time. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, you know, or where I finally was able to kind of put words to it or, Yeah. But it definitely had been a process.
0: And so you, you see got in that. Like there's a mess of it, the, the complexity of life in Costa Rica with three boys who young at the time, right?
1: Yeah, well teenager my oldest is a teenager, so you know they were seven, nine, and thirteen when we got there. Mm-hmm. And those are super formative years. Yeah.
0: You know. And so you're you're going through all that and you're processing this, and then at the end of this, you come back home and um the blog started originally as like what, like the the right family missionary in Costa Rica, like the typical like fundraising kind of meal ticket that you got to keep people up to date. So they'll send you checks. And then you start being honest during that time. And that's when everything kind of goes sideways. But Mm -hmm. even like you talk about in the book that early on there are signs like that. You're not going to be the stereotypical, like, Mm -hmm. um, what is the, the language you use is not the language I was going to use. um, for some, like for some, like by the way, I feel like I should have put a, a parental advisory, explicit warning on this podcast, and I feel like I, I might have to go back and do that. Um, I can stop. No, you can, you can do. I feel like we're already in there. <laughs> or you can bleep it out. Bleep
1: it out. That, that's
0: a lot of work whatever. to bleep it out. Let's. Just, well, I know, sir. It's all right. Um, okay, let me let me ask a question about that. So, in Nadia Nadia Bolz Weber, I think the first word in her book, her first book, was an expletive fuck okay that's that's one that that was the yes word. i think that was the okay word. so let me ask you a question about tony robbins you know tony robbins is the
1: guru yeah guy?
0: did you he had a netflix okay. special which was
1: a, i saw it. did you yeah. see it it, yeah, was, it was cool it was interesting fascinating
0: to me like i uh the machinery in which uh He has created the whole world. Like, I think most of it's just lies, of course, but it's still fat. Maybe you're Tony Robbins fan and I I just offended you. I apologize.
1: I'm good. We're We're good.
0: Okay, so (laughs) he talked about why he uses expletives and he used it as a way of using, like, uh, we're trying to shock people and to create a response. And part of me wanted to go, you just like to use those words. Like, I don't feel like you have, like, some well-thought-out ideology on how expletives function in the English language.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, why does there need to be a reason? Yeah, you just... <laughs> I mean, if, if there's a reason, like, that's super manipulative. Like, if Tony Robbins is using, like, expletives to elicit an emotional response in people, I mean, he gets paid to do I that. Could, yeah. So whatever, that's his deal. And, and he's smart enough to know it. Cool, whatever, that's for him. But um, I have always set out to write in a way that is just like, hey, we're just we're just having coffee. Like, I'm sitting with my friends having coffee. And the beautiful thing about the internet is that it's like, my space is like, I'm inviting you into my living room, and, and, you know, we can have a real conversation, and if you don't enjoy my company, you do not have to show up. Yeah. Some people would think that
0: if you use certain words, then therefore you can have a theological observation about the presence of God in complexity, like you right. just did. But you are able to see those as... There's no incongruity between those two things, right? Yeah. How, some some could understand. It. How would you help them understand that?
1: I I am so tired of this conversation. <laughs> I mean, and it's so worthy. It so needs to be had. Like I I just am like I cannot believe we're still talking about mm-hmm. like curse words in the Bible. Like it's so I just. Am, but I, I understand not everybody is. You know, we don't run in the same circles, and not everybody's whatever had this conversation. Mm. But um, it is like. To think that the Bible was written in English and that there is a list of English words that are no good, no bueno, not allowed, um, is so asinine to me. Like, it's so childish and absurd and ignorant. Um, And so when people come at me like, how dare you call yourself a Christian or a missionary or a, you know, they're like, you're a heretic, you're a apostate, you're a whatever. Like, I'm just like, dude, just do a little research. Like look into what it really says in the Bible because you know there, there's strong, strong language in the Bible and um, there's a time, time and a place for it and quite frankly, like if we're just chilling and talking like who cares? Who cares? there's some
0: interesting historical evidence about the etymology of how certain words are classified as expletive and not and some people have tied it to class distinction where you would have uh, certain poor people who would use words and then the the wealthy the powerful people would say well that's a vulgar word because it's the language of the poor uh anyways it's um
1: how how apt <laughs> it's so apt you know we're gonna sit here in our high tower called the church mm-hmm. and like wag our fingers at the people that we think are less than yeah us. well
0: First of all, it's great to know that uh, I bring up a question of a subject that you're so tired of. Uh, your father, I <laughs> you feel like, just laughed at all my jokes. And I get the comment, I'm so tired of these questions. So I feel like, um, I feel like dad's been nice to me so far. I'm not saying that it's a competition between you two. I'm just telling you that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> and since we're in your well, living room, I'm just going to be honest.
1: This is your living room. So if you want me to not use expletives and you say that, I would never do it. That is so... If you were like, this is my podcast, I'd prefer that you not use expletives. I never, ever would. And that is
0: nice. That is very nice. And if I was in your living room and you said to let geckos float around in your pants, I don't know if I would do that as willingly as you would do that for me. So thank you.
1: But yeah, okay, good. I'm just, I mean, if it would. (laughs) I I agree. Yeah, no, I understand. But that's the point is like, you could leave. you could be like, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere where I don't have to have geckos in my pants. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, honestly, I
0: don't mean to be rude, but, like, that's kind of one of my house rules. It's, like, no geckos. No no geckos. Like, it's okay in the shoe or shirt, but just the pants. Like, that's, there's a line.
1: That's a little exclusive, but whatever. We all
0: have to draw the line where we're comfortable, and that's where I'm Mm -hmm. comfortable. True. Um,
1: True.
0: Okay, so I've heard... You talk about uh, your attitude towards short-term missions, and I know last time we talked, you were in Abilene, you were doing some stuff with the Abilene Christian University Wildcats talking about missions, and I know, did you, you like preach or something at Highland where my friend Jonathan currently works before he gets fired for people hearing this podcast and they know that he's associated with you and brought you in to preach? Um, mm mm-hmm. And so to read your book and, like, you say, sh- like, positive things about your first short-term mission experience was a little bit out of voice. Like, I was like, that's not the Jamie I was expecting. But you had a positive thing to say about your first experience in missions when you guys were coming from California with a youth group from your church.
1: Did I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad. It was. It was, like, as far as short-term <laughs> missions goes, like, as far as, like, the do no I will, let me and, read this I to mean, you. It's pretty harmless. It was cool. I f-
0: this is glowing praise from Jamie. The very worst. Yeah, from me. Yes, I think this was actually a pretty decent experience for everyone involved. Like that's glowing praise from you.
1: Yeah, that's a really nice thing for yeah. me to say. That's like, that's like, yeah, that's really high praise. <laughs> yeah, um, and it was. I think it was a really solid partnership. You had you know teenagers partnering teenagers with kids their own age, and not there was no exploiting. Like we're gonna. Teach you how to live like a poor person. It was it was very mutually um, like uplifting, and um, you know, put the Costa Rican kids. We brought them to the U.S. as well, so it was um, it was just it was good. It was a neat neat experience, I think, for most of the people involved. And
0: far too often, the experience sounds like most short-term missions, or at least the ones that you're familiar with, come out as exploitive and using. Mm-hmm. The plight of someone from a lesser financially privileged country, as a way just to teach a rich American kid how to be poor. Is that what you're saying?
1: How to be yeah, how to be grateful for everything they have is what we say. We say we want them to be. We're going to show our kids how to be grateful. We're going to show them how blessed they are. We're going to show them. Um, we're going to expose them to poverty. I mean, it's just stupid, mm. and it doesn't work. It's not true. It's like not a. Real what do you mean? That how's that happens, it not true? So we take thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of high school students all over the world in the name of short-term missions and they're not coming back to their communities changed. Well, I mean, maybe some of them are, like maybe you get that two-week change or you get the like hmm. momentary high or um, certainly there is a, a sense of like maybe they understand the world better but they're not, statistically, they're not living their lives differently than their So
0: this, like the two-week thing, people come back, oh my goodness, things are so different, I, I, I'm never going to be the same but then that... Yeah fades away quickly
1: yeah i'm so fortunate yeah i'm so fortunate it was so amazing i'm so grateful for everything i have and um which also sent is a really bad message about like who god loves if if you go and so you see poor poor people in latin america then you come back and you're like oh my god i'm so blessed to have all this stuff i'm so lucky i'm so fortunate um like what, what does that say about god's feelings toward poor people yeah. <laughs> it's not cool um, but th- but just they, these kids that we send on short term missions, and we have decades worth of research on this now, is they're not different. They don't grow up to be different adults. And of course, there are anecdotal. There's anecdotal like, whoa, but it changed my life. I became a I became a missionary, which I'm like, ugh, no, don't do that. But like, very few kids are just like that changed my life forever. I'm a better person because.
0: Of that. What do you mean? Uh, don't do that. Don't become a missionary. You're saying, oh, don't do that. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I don't I just the whole thing like, oh, it, it inspired me to be a full time missionary and then when I was twenty I moved to Uganda. I just that's not a good idea. Hmm. <laughs> and so when, when church people come back and they're like, but it inspires them to be missionaries themselves. I'm like the world this world does not need any more missionaries. It doesn't What does it need? Need that. We need it needs a healthy church and it needs social workers and it needs teachers and it needs people who understand what happens when they spend a dollar hmm. Not not people who are flying all over the world to collect passport stamps or d- dig their hands into the red dirt of Africa. It needs genuine people who genuinely understand economics and compassion and um, and and you know are willing to make sacrifices, like actually live their lives differently, mm-hmm. not in a foreign country, but wherever they're at, um, in the name of their neighbor.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, last time we talked, you were in the middle of this writing process and. Uh, there was a comment that I believe one of us made, it was probably me, who said something about going on a vacation, spending money in a country that might not have as much financial resources as America. And there was a line about hashtag no prostitutes because you're investing in the local, but you're not like I- including prostitution because that's obviously exploitive of people and it's just like wrong. We use the word sin right. in Christianity. That, mm-hmm. But um. There was a, a statement that you made after that in which you said, "I'm going to put that in the book." And uh, <clears throat> I, I didn't see it.
1: Did I? Did I not get it in there? You know what? I'm going to blame that on an editor. Did
0: the editor take that out?
1: I'm sure that I wrote that. In it that did. Book. I'm sure it made it in. Okay. Probably the editors were like, "Oh, this is too it's far, too offensive," and took it out. Yeah. Yeah. They, that. Yeah. It was. I um, pushed the line. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Not me. It wasn't me. I did what I said. Okay.
0: I, was I mean, but like, if you write an, another book like that, might even be the title.
1: Hashtag no prostitutes.
0: I feel like that would be mm-hmm. viral. Maybe mm-hmm. not the kind of viruses typically associated with prostitution, but. A, <laughs>
1: Maybe
0: not. Maybe. I have to edit that. There's no way I can do that. Huh.
1: Yeah, but you said that last time too, I think,
0: so... No, I feel like my follow-up joke has to be edited out there. Anyway...
1: Well, pro- probably. You think so? Make a note. Make a note.
0: No, we're just going to keep going here. It's pretty
1: funny. It is. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: I do what I can. I have some jokes as well. Um, okay, um, so you go over there. You're expecting, like, this blessing, which in some way, like, that's the same language of people thinking... Uh, I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna get blessed and get my life fixed. It's similar to people come back and go, I'm so blessed here because things in my life seem to be fixed already because I have all these financial resources. It's the same underlying principle. And you're trying to say like the blessing is like that God is present in all these things and for us to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. You had to go through experiences of like, in a lot of ways, like experiencing the non-blessed, quote unquote, hashtag non-blessed life do you think like that's the only way for people to get there? Are there other ways that you've seen people make that transition away from thinking that like wealth and um, the happy life in the suburbs with 2.5 kids blessing of God?
1: You know, I think more often than not, people just walk away from church altogether. Like when they realize that this message that God's blessing isn't just like the Santa Claus God, Mm -hmm. like that we just aren't asking God in heaven to just give us whatever we want and then he does. Um, I think when people come to that realization, they're like, oh, that's garbage. I think a lot, a lot of people are just like, well, I'm done with this Christianity thing. I'm done with God. I'm done. It's not true. It's not real. Um, You know, looking around the world, you can see that it's not real. And so I think, I think. It creates a real dichotomy for people in which they think they have to choose that lie mm-hmm. um, and be part of the church, or they have to walk away from all of it. Yeah. and and so you know, I think that's part of what I hope will happen with this book is that people will see that you can you can hang on, like you can come to these conclusions and see that the church is desperately broken and that the messages that we hear, especially particularly in the evangelical church, are really far from from Jesus. Um, but you can still cling to Jesus and his teaching and that it still matters and it's still relevant and that as you gain this clarity um, you know if you're able to really hang on to it it, it's it's really lovely (laughs) like it's really a great it's a great thing but it is a process
0: Yeah, I was having a conversation with a deeply committed church person and I was having these sort of uh, ideas uh, in the conversation and the line that they said to me that after that was said was well, what 's in it for me then like what 's in it for me and um yeah, I mean that's kind of the the broken uh attitude that's been there's so much of that in the evangelical world that it's just like we need better we need we need more than that, and I think that's what you're trying to say is that the gift all along is that God is present in the mess, not just getting you out of the mess
1: right, right, and that messes your life is never going to not be messy. Mm-hmm. So to pretend like we're all supposed to be the like looking for this attainable peaceful goal, in which nothing is you know, in which everything is just goes smoothly because we have Jesus, mm. is it's just that and then, and then that never happens until you die. Yeah. That's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> like that's just a, such a sad existence to constantly be striving for that when God all along is like, but I'm right here. But I'm right here. Yeah.
0: Okay. Can we talk about the enneagram for a second?
1: Yes. Have you gotten into the?
0: Are you in, an enneagram person?
1: I'm sort of getting, I'm into it. I'm super into it right now, but I'm just on the beginning. I'm just learning. about it.
0: So I was reading and I was thinking to myself, I think I know what Enneagram number our friend Jamie is. And you already know what number you are, right? Mm -hmm. So there was some stuff about how you found your meaning in relationships and everything was about their happiness. And I thought that kind of sounds very Enneagram 2-ish. No. What are you?
1: Did I write that? Did I write that? Uh, do you, like, do the, we have to do the quote game again? About to pull this out? Yeah, because I just I don't remember what I write. I mean, what am I supposed to know what the book says? Well,
0: like there's a line that I don't want to. I'm not going to read that line. But see, there's a different one.
1: <laughs> Does it say the F word?
0: <laughs> no, it talks.
1: No. Just tell me what part it is. I don't. Okay, the I'm, line.
0: The line is you say that you, uh, your husband. Numb things out with sex, and that you found meaning. Yeah, see that like that. I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. um Okay, let's. What any?
1: <laughs> what any? That's really that bad. Like you couldn't read. Well, that? I don't like. Um, here, should I? Read no, it? I don't want it. Like it's <laughs> too gross to put on your. Podcast. No, it's not. it's just um, a, Okay, I get where. All you're I was so, saying where, was, what's
0: your dang enneagram number. That's what I was going for.
1: Right. Okay. Well. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> so I can totally see where you might have gathered that you thought I was a two. Um,
0: I, okay, I, don't, I, I, was, I didn't think of you as a two, like ever before. I was just reading that guy. That sounds mm-hmm. two-ish. Two-ish,
1: yeah. Um, I am a five. A five with a four-wing. four-wing. Yeah,
0: because yeah. you're a writer. Mm-hmm. You're, you think through things, obviously. Four-wing, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have, I could have seen that. But it just sounded to me like, as I was watching, like, the character development of the book, which, it's you, but it's, mm-hmm. like, you're writing a story, so there's always some degree of, yeah. like, it is a character. It's not...
1: It's still curated. Yeah, yeah. of course. It's a selection yeah. of life stories. I mean, honestly,
0: yeah. in my book, I'm 6'3". So, um... The, are, no one the will The Luke character it, is 6'3". It's, it's all right. True. Whatever. It doesn't Good. matter. Uh, he's also Latino. But, um... Yeah, see, <laughs> si, senor. Um, um, so it would be like there was a, like a trajectory of, of you learning to find your identity outside of what others think about you, like not needing some validation from a relationship to define who you are. Like I just saw that in the book and I thought it's, it seems like that's part of what like mm-hmm. maturing and, and, and formation looks like for you.
1: Is that fair to read that in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, I think that's a huge like theme. The, I think the theme that's part of the huge theme of like the very worst missionary, the book, is that um, I get all these questions like constantly and for years. People have been like, "Well, how do you say the things you say?" And like, you're brave and you're bold and you you know you say these things other people are thinking but don't want to say out loud. And um, I wanted to answer that question like through the book and and to be able to say to write a book about the very worst missionary without really talking about how i became that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how easily i sort of slipped into that role um i, I just kind of done it and so it really did morph into this big memoir uh, or not big but like a memoir of like here's the whole journey because it's a spiritual journey i didn't wake yeah. up in the mission field and go i'm the worst and i'm going to start writing that way it was a journey that began like at birth and you know everything about who i am and i wish i'd known more about the enneagram when i wrote my book because i should have i would have included stuff about it honestly yeah. um it, I mean, just that whole process that by the time I ended up in Costa Rica, which really I only talk about missions for like half the book. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's a whole bigger picture thing um, in, in which I hope people are seeing like permission to acknowledge their journey and kind of love it even when the parts that sucked yeah. and lean into who they are, like lean into that person that you are. And, and for me, um, that's a snarky, sarcastic kind of opinionated, outspoken, whatever, like that's who I am. And that's who I've become over this entire journey of a lifetime. Um, And that's what let me be the very worst missionary. Like that's what lets me say all these things because I just don't care what other people think of me. And um, I don't need their approval, but it's not because I'm like, I'm a Christian and I only write for a, you know, audience of one. (laughs) It's not like that. It's like, no, it's like, this is who I am. Like, um, this is a lifetime of formation um, got me here, and I'm grateful no. for it.
0: Okay, well, at least I got the theme. Uh, since you didn't talk about being a missionary, I mean, it's, it's in there, but like you said, it's only half of the book. Did those editors, those same terrible people who took out my hashtag no prostitute thing, did they think of saying that, like, writing the book as the very worst missionary might be, uh, like, false advertising? And so you should just title it like the very worst person instead since you don't talk about missions the whole time?
1: No, that was never that was never that was never okay. on the table as a title. I like option. I just didn't know like, I, I don't <laughs> know what Convergent
0: does with the titles, how that process works. I was just asking.
1: It was titling it was a process actually. There was there was a lot of back and forth on the title of some other things really? but like um yeah.
0: It, it seems like it's the right title. Like there's like there's no question
1: it definitely is
0: no question about that
1: yeah i agree but it was a process and and honestly like i didn't set out to write a memoir That just sort of what it became and um i i don't know that i even uh, yeah i mean i'm glad i didn't write a book about missions because i don't know i'm not an authority on missions but um to be able to write a book about my own process and my own journey into and eventually out of missions was um was a lot easier yeah. <laughs>
0: You said you wish you knew the Enneagram when you were writing it. You would have talked about it more. How would you have, like, narrated your story differently? Or would you have at all? Um,
1: you know, I, I don't know that I would have narrated it differently. I would have – there's just the Enneagram thing and, like, knowing my number and, know, and like, like lear, learning more about how people like me process the world. It, it's so um, – it, it's so permissive to me. Like, I just feel so much permission to be a weirdo and, like, to – like to get into my little circles of fiveness, you know, like research and distraction. And, um, you know, that thing like about like supporting my husband when he was young, like falling so um, into this like kind of toxic relationship of like being married to someone who, um, needed to be affirmed and finding, finding my own, um, like value in affirming him, like in just being this sidekick, um, that was very, I was like, okay, it, it just helped me understand, like, how I've, just a, a variety of different relationships in no. my life, and kind of how I ro- how I rolled into them as a five.
0: How, how how did you find yourself as a five doing that? Because that seems like that's not healthy five, beha- it doesn't seem like five behavior.
1: No, nobody said <laughs> healthy. <laughs> not healthy. <Okay. laughs> I wasn't a 20-year, I wasn't an 18-year-old healthy five when I got married, but I was definitely a Oh, that's a five. weird. That, and I thought... To say, for me to be like, oh, I'm absorbing this information. I'm learning. I'm learning this person, right? My spouse. I'm learning everything. Everything was like, how do I, how do I, how do I learn? Like, it was just such a an awesome. Like for me, it just felt so fulfilling. Like, I can as long as I learn how to make him happy. As long as I learn how to make him feel mm-hmm. happy, um, then I'm doing my job. Then as a five, that's really gratifying. Like all I have to do is be observe. If I observe his behavior, and I'm making these analysis constantly about like what pleases him and what displeases him, and then I'm leaning into the areas that please him mm-hmm. and leaning, you know, super unhealthy, like very unhealthy relationship dynamics. But as a five, it it makes, it makes a lot of perfect
0: sense. sense. Did you find the writing process to be something that you're going to continue doing in the future? Is there another book that you've got in your soul somewhere that needs yeah. to be birthed?
1: Probably. Yeah, I think so. There's a there's a little I have a little, little idea brewing, but um, uh, writing. I don't know that I really have a process <laughs> as much as like I'm like, oh shit, I'm past deadline. That's my process. Like ah, they're gonna I I owe want someone a lot of money if I don't write this. That's you don't do that's this. My, that's my process. Yeah. So
0: I have had to work on my bibliography for a couple hours this <laughs> morning. And it put me in a real dark spot. And so when you wrote your book, it didn't seem like you had to do that a whole lot. And so I feel like whatever you did was a better option than what I did because you didn't have to work on end notes as long. <laughs> well,
1: but that's, I mean, you know, whatever. I, I sort of can get away with just whatever.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's a few things that you can get away with doing that I probably can't. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we can acknowledge that. I think that, that helps us going forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've actually had, I have some like amazing reviews on Amazon right now. Some like sparkle, like the, the, the best one-star reviews ever. Like someone was like, if I stood up and read this in a public place, I'd likely be asked to stop. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's amazing. Um, and so people have, I've heard from like four people now. Um, over the last week who've been like, um, I was looking at your book and I wasn't sure if I was going to get it, but then I read the one-star reviews and I was like, absolutely, I'm getting this. And I was just mm-hmm. like, yes! And somebody wrote me and he was like, only you could have your trolls like working on your behalf. And it's true. I mean, it's just true.
0: Do you think that having the word missionary in the title kind of puts you into a reader that's definitely not your reader? Because
1: like... Yeah, it's christian like ch- yeah.
0: Yeah, because the Christiany stuff, that's not... Like I'm not saying you're not a, you're obviously a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, um, but that isn't your 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 people. Like the people who read you are,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not that but, person. Like,
1: when you're gonna get a new book, don't you usually like um, look at the back, <laughs> read the back, and then um, maybe thumb through it? Like literally, open and open at any page, you'll find something terrible. Like you'll find something that would make a normal like your everyday Christian be like, I can't read this smut. <laughs> Like, and then put it down and don't read it. Like, whatever. It's not for you. It's okay. Not everything has to be for everyone. Yeah. So.
0: Who do you think, like, if you want one person to read this book, who is that person that you want? Is it the, the 18-year-old person who's trying to figure out who they are? Is it the, like, who, who, who do you have in mind is like, this is the person that I want someone to give this. Like, if you've got someone who's listening, who's going, I have someone who's going through something right now and they need a book. Who do, they, who do you want that person to be that gets that book?
1: Um, probably the person that is really struggling to um, maintain their hold on Christianity, right? Who's like, is this even worth it? <laughs> Am I doing, is this real? Is this, yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's a book of deconstruction, really, of just kind of saying like, these are, we're taught these things and we think we have to fit into the box a certain way, but it's just not true. And um, you can, you can walk away from it and still hold on to these like basic ideas and these tenets that like the teaching of Jesus that lets you know that that makes you Christian um and so I I think that person like the person that's really like stuck in that deconstruction um and not sure if they're even yeah yeah and it's not and I never get to the reconstruction part I think that would be definitely probably more the next book but Mm -hmm. um but like to say it's okay the person that's not sure it's okay and that is a feeling like people struggle with that like am I even allowed to think these things Am I even allowed to, like, wonder if what the pastor says to me on on Sunday morning is true? Am I allowed to research it? Am I allowed to say, you're wrong? Because they are, but nobody thinks that they can, I'm not ever, I mean, there are definitely a crowd of people that are kind of leaning in that direction, and I just, I love to sort of spur them on in that journey. Um,
0: Unless they go to my church, then you shouldn't (laughs) think that the pastor's wrong. But elsewhere, like, elsewhere you could, but like not, like, you didn't mean that Mm -hmm. for my Parishioners, no, right, like
1: maybe extra for yours, like extra, like this should be like extra. I feel like i like, have taking think, notes and then googling it. I think the other
0: side would be saying, "Oh, you've got a friend named Jamie Wright who wrote a book that they're questioning for different sets of reasons, and that's because you." um <laughs> But when I think of deconstruction, I think of like, let's just tear it all down. In a sense, like, you're tearing away, like, the secondary stuff that, that doesn't need to stay around. But you always hold on to something. Like, you like your statement of, like, the presence of God, like, that's a beautiful declaration of faith that doesn't ever, like, get shunned. It, it, there's always that in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I would almost use a different language of, like, there's deconstruction, but it's not deconstruction to nothing. It's not, like, ground zero. Like, you always hold on to something.
1: Well, I, you know, I think that would be awesome if those some things were really clear and tangible and easy to see constantly, but it's not like t- t- take, carefully taking a sledgehammer and like picking away the parts you don't like and leaving the gleaming good parts. I think for most of us, it's like s- stepping on a landmine in the middle of your childhood yep. home. And like, then having to like sort through the rubble, like what is left and what is worth saving? Mm-hmm. It's not this clean, tidy thing where the dust settles and, you know, it's this mess and you're, you can't breathe and you can't see and you're, you know, while you're like trying to physically draw yourself out of this this the aftermath of this explosion, you are tasked with this um, this challenge of sorting through this pile of of just whatever and trying to figure out what's worth saving and what's not. And it's it's exhausting. Yeah. It's hard.
0: Hmm. Well, I think your book would help someone do that. And I'm glad you wrote it for that reason.
1: I hope so. I mean, I, I do. I mean, if it just makes people laugh, that's fine, too. <laughs> like, I don't care, you know, whatever. But um, I guess if I got to pick that what people got out of it, that would be the thing.
0: Yeah. W- did you post something or someone linked something about it? it was, there is a category on Amazon of Christian humor that um, uh, best-selling new release in Christian humor, which yeah,
1: it's, it's I didn't actually- even realize that
0: was a category.
1: I didn't either until I wrote this book. I didn't know until they put it on Amazon. And I was like, oh, that's my category, yes. But um, it's been off and on like the actual bestseller, like the number one bestseller in Christian humor over the last few weeks. I know it's, it'll get up there for an hour or whatever. And then it else will beat it out. But that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of exciting. And then um, even more exciting to me is that um, like two weeks ago, are you good? No, okay. good. Okay. Like two weeks ago, um, I was just like – poking around on on Amazon and my book cracked like the top 50 in straight humor like oh. humor like the like next to you know T- Tina Fey <laughs> wow. and I was just like what that's, that's I thought exciting. that was really cool because you know like religious humor who cares but humor that humor, was humor. pretty exciting to me yeah huh. I took a screenshot I definitely took a screenshot of that
0: <laughs> yeah well good for you yeah it was cool oh just just for giggles who else is in Christian humor is that like you and John um, Crist? Is that what it is?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I don't really. Like, I don't know who, like what I, other um, books Jen Hatmaker's in it and like Melanie Schickle okay. and. Um,
0: I, mm. Okay. I didn't even realize like Hatmaker would be in that category. I, I didn't know the category existed. And so I'm. Uh, yeah. I just thought. Yeah. It's
1: in, news to me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I guess I thought it'd be like in memoirs. Or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where you're. Where how they decide where your book lands how many
0: jokes do you have to tell before it gets into Christian humor that's what I would like to know is there a cut
1: off I, there- I wish I knew when I was telling a joke <laughs> like I'm not like I'm gonna fill my book with jokes mm-hmm. I'm just like here's my life it's hilarious yeah. and people are like oh my god so it, yeah I don't know that I'm like think I'm all that funny but other people other people do <laughs> So that's
0: fun. I think I thought it was fun. I, I really did enjoy reading it. I, I appreciate you uh, doing this book. I enjoyed reading. My daughter sat down next to me and said, Dad, read to me what you're reading. And I was like, oh, nope. hard pass on that one. Yep. We're, Sorry. That's the second time I've had to do that in the last month. So um, podcast for adults, not for my six-year-old. Anyway.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, Jamie, this was the very best conversation with a missionary I've had this month. So, thank you.
1: Oh, thanks, thanks. Well, hope you get some better ones next month. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.